Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast designed to help nonprofit organizations like yours raise more money and achieve greater success at your fundraising events. Now, today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. My name is Danny Hooper. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer, also the author of a best-selling book called Easy Money, How to Generate Record Profits at Your Next Fundraising Auction Event. Now, you can find it on Amazon uh, by searching uh, Danny Hooper or you can go to dannyhooper.com and get a copy. Uh, today's show also brought to you by our good friends at Winspire, the industry leader in providing unique, one-of-a-kind consignment travel packages for your fundraising events. These incredible experiences can be used as uh, live auction items. Uh, you can use them in the silent auction, raffle prizes, wherever. And the neat thing is about Winspire, there's absolutely no risk to these packages because you only pay for the trips that raise money at your event. And you can get more, inf- uh, more information by going to winspire.me. Uh, Last but certainly not least, Events with Benefits is also brought to you by the good folks at Donation Match, your one-stop shop for event donations and what we call give-back opportunities. Donation Match connects your cause with local and national companies who are willing to donate products or services to your fundraising event, and you can sign up for free at donationmatch.com. Today, I'm joined, as always, by the founder of Donation Match, Renee Zhao, and the vice president of uh, fundraising here at uh, Winspire, Ian Lothian. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for coming down from cold Canada. You said it was negative 25 up there? Well, yeah. This show is being recorded at the end of uh, January. I got on the plane yesterday morning. I think it was minus 25 Celsius and uh, about uh, two feet of snow on the ground. So it was really nice to step off the plane here in California. What, it was 80-some degrees yesterday, almost 90 degrees. Yeah, we're getting a bit of a warm spell, but uh, we, we love having you down as always, Danny. And uh, today's guest, I, you know, you guys had a bit of chemistry, you both, you all being auctioneers. Um, but uh, yeah, our guests today, Bobby D and, and Aaron Ward, uh, the owners and principals of Inspire Hearts Fundraising. Uh, had a, they're out of New York, so up in the Northeast, and they just had a ton of amazing information. Uh, talked a lot about the evolution of, of fundraising auctions and, uh, you know, really trying to appeal to this newer, younger generation. How, how are events changing? How should they change uh, to, to really get that, that, that impact uh, with this new, new generation? Yeah, it's interesting that uh, I'm sure all of us feel like we're really busy all the time. And as the the world evolves, um, you know, we're all still trying to find that balance between different parts of our lives, family, professional, and seeing that, uh, you know, you're going to hear them talk about how fundraising events are changing a little bit, what they've observed to be a little more popular, perhaps even shortening events, but making it fit into our lives a little better while still letting us uh, support those organizations that we want to. Well, today we take you all the way to New York with our special uh, guests, Bobby D and Aaron Ward. Well, I woke up early this uh, this morning. Uh, had a restless sleep last night. I was, I think, I was just excited about today's interview and and the chance to talk with uh, Bobby D and Aaron Ward. Uh, guys, it's it's so great to have you on the show here on Events with Benefits. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. We're up here down here in New York from you, I guess you'd say. And it is it's a beautiful winter this year. So we're having we're kicked off our benefit season. Had our first event of the year this past weekend, and it, it's awesome. Yeah, great. Danny, it's an honor to be here talking with you, uh, a, a leader and an innovator within this uh, this great industry, and uh, it's a beautiful day to talk about fundraising. All right. Uh, Bobby D. and Aaron Ward join us today on Events with Benefits. Uh, great to be talking to you guys, and uh, first of all, maybe we'll start, uh, why don't we have each of you just give us a little bit of your backgrounds in the fundraising space? After you, Aaron. 
Uh, this is Aaron Ward, and I am a third-generation auctioneer. I came into the auction world through my mom and my grandfather and, uh, you know, did everything I could to stay out of the business. Traveled, went to college, went to every kind of other country I could live in, did everything else. Finally realized that the auction world was a big part of my heart. When I came back, I told my mom I was ready for auction school. She said, but you don't like auctions. And I said, well... I don't like what you do, but I want to do something different. So I started working with some nonprofits, and we sort of partnered. And um, I opened my auction company about 14 years ago just doing nonprofits. So for the past 14 years, it has been my sole living is working nonprofit auctions um, all over the country, but realizing that my specialty is really in the New York metro area, the tri-state area. So it has been incredible. Um, I've worked every angle of a nonprofit from creating them myself to development to volunteer work and my favorite of course is all the consulting and being the lead auctioneer or um, now what we're finding is really doing the becoming the asker the ambassador asker for a special appeal which is now my heart soul passion love every part of the event well, we're going to be drilling down into that here in just a few minutes, Aaron. Uh, Bobby, you've been in the business a long time as well as a professional fundraising auctioneer. Let's talk a little bit about your background. Well, yes, I am a second-generation auctioneer. I got my start in the auction world within auto auctions, and I am a world champion automobile auctioneer and very proud to uh, so. Uh, but then uh, as I was uh, in the world of the auto auctions, you know, I was selling uh, used cars to used car dealers and, you know, wasn't really getting the warm and fuzzy. So I was like, how do I give back to the world and how can I go out and change the world? And, uh, and other organizations would always ask, hey, can you come out and help out at our uh, nonprofit event and be our auctioneer? And I said, sure. And a few times I had done that and I was like, wow, this is great. I want to do this for a living. So then I went and uh, joined the National Auctioneers Association and uh, attained the Benefit Auctioneer Specialist designation and really had built my business uh, that is call to auction uh, from uh, you know from nothing into uh, you know into something that we're you know we're helping organizations from coast to coast to uh, raise more money and to uh, help change the world even that much faster. But then you know from that have uh, really just like Aaron have have really dove into the special appeal, the paddle raiser, the cash call, and have found that that is such an effective way uh, for fundraising. I love 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 being a fundraising auctioneer and that real you know that that fast uh, energy and that excitement and that entertainment that is you know able to bring to the the audience, but then also that uh, engagement tool that uh, that does inspire. Uh, donors to give more to uh, to help uh, to help the missions that they love so much. So all of that, absolutely love it, and uh, I love being able to partner with Aaron now to uh, to uh, to do that more and uh, and to just help more organizations. So Bobby, how many years ago did you start as a fundraising auctioneer? It's been 14 years for Aaron. Uh, how long for you? Uh, just about the same. I mean, when you, I mean, as an auto auctioneer, we're always asked by the the churches or by the you know the Boy Scouts or the small nonprofits to say, hey, you're one of those fast talkers. Why don't you come out? So I'd say you know been been doing fundraising auctions for about 15 years, but it didn't really officially start my company uh, until five years ago to really put my heart and soul and energy uh, right into that. 
All right. Let's talk now about the evolution of fundraising auctions. I know in my case, I started back in 1987, uh, back in the day when uh, no, I don't think there were any auctioneers charging to go out and do uh, nonprofit events, but it's certainly grown into uh, a big business now for many, many auctioneers. And let's talk about the evolution, some of the big changes that you're uh, noticing uh, and of course, you folks are really focusing now on the paddle raise or what I refer to as the cash appeal. It's also known as a fund an item, fund a need. But uh, let's start with the definition, whatever you want to call it. Let's start with the definition of this particular thing. How do you describe a paddle raise or fund a need or fund an item? How would you define it? I feel like you just asked two major questions. You know, you've just asked the evolution of fundraising, and now you're asking also the paddle raise. And, um, I, this is Aaron and I, I did start my company 14 years ago, but I recently found my mom's business card when she was a professional fundraising auctioneer, a side business to her auction company, and she was charging in the 80s. Uh, you know, it was her and another female auctioneer, and it was incredible. Um, so that, you know, is like what Bobby said. There were people that what we always like to, to talk about is like a specialty. Um, as a doctor, you, you become, yes, I'm a, I have a PhD, but what do I specialize in? And so you, they talk about all the different specialties that are offered for doctors. There's podiatrists and whatever, ER surgeons. But as an auctioneer, it's the same thing. You have people who specialize in selling automobiles, in real estate, in farm equipment. There's you know, somebody that does everything. And so in, today what we have now is more people that are specializing in just fundraising auctions and that is a very new to the world trend i want to say like like you years ago is when that started um so for for the history of it i think it's pretty awesome but now you know we've got these bas people that are really specializing in it and i just think it's it's so incredible to offer that well, Aaron, when you mentioned BAS, that for our listeners is a benefit auctioneer uh, specialist. And this is a special certification or designation that is awarded through the National Auctioneers Association to auctioneers who have taken uh, all of the extra training. They've invested the time and uh, gained the knowledge uh, uh, to specialize in the nonprofit or fundraising space. What are some of the unique differences and skill sets that a benefit auctioneer specialist would have that maybe an auto auctioneer or livestock auctioneer, uh, antiques auctioneer may not have? Well, you know, what I've noticed is what an auctioneer really does is become an expert in what they're selling. They are a salesperson. So an auto auctioneer can tell you the in and outs of every vehicle that gets in front of them because they have to sell it very quickly. In short snippets, they can say something that makes sense. Or a cattle auctioneer can tell you, you know, the ins and outs of, of every type of cow that's there um, because they have to know what they're selling. Now, a fundraising, a benefit auctioneer, needs to know what they are selling as well. And most of the time what they're selling is the nonprofit itself. You know, we become experts in working with the nonprofit. So we talk nonprofit. So we talk annual giving. We talk um, lead gifts. We talk development. We talk mission statements. We talk about what the nonprofit is doing and how it's working. We understand what their language is. And also, we talk to their donors. The same way an auto auctioneer would talk to an auto salesman, we talk to the donors at their event. And how do we t- how do we talk to those donors? How do we? I you know I 
I, I, I think or I feel that one of the most important things we do as benefit auctioneers is trigger the emotions. And at an auto auction or a livestock auction, the buyers don't get emotional at all. It's very important to be able to trigger emotions at a nonprofit event. And how do you guys go about doing that? Well, the way that we do that is is really by putting that mission first is is putting that out there. We're yes, we're going to have an event. Yes, we're going to have a great time, and that's where we're able to guide our most successful clients into you know inviting the right people and preparing them to give. Like when you come to this event, you're going to learn about the organization. You're going to learn about what your donations go to, and and you're going to have a good time. But this is really what it's about. So it's that pre-marketing, and then at the event, we want the mission and the impact everywhere. You know, what is that first impression? that the donors see as they walk in the door what are they seeing within that connection in that uh, that that cocktail or the silent auction hour you know what is you know what kind of messaging is there but then as they enter into the ballroom you know what is said and how is it said that will inspire the donors to really make that uh, make that exchange of dollars for impact. I mean that's that's truly what it's about is 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 when the donors are a part of the organization they really, you know, make make that big really big big difference and that's what we're, you know, so happy to be able to work with nonprofits about is to uh, spend a lot of time with them to prepare that for event marketing and then all of that messaging that happens at the event so that we can really set up what we call the golden moment is when we make that ask, we make that appeal. We said now is the time for you to act and for you to raise your paddle and to be a part of this, whether it's in the live auction or in the paddle raise or the special appeal or the fund to need, you know, we want them to uh, really be a part of that. Uh, great, great, great answer there, Bobby. And golden moment. I love, I love that term because I've definitely uh, felt it. This is Ian from Winspire, by the way. Uh, all the events I've been to, there is that moment when it's just everything is magical. Everything's firing on all cylinders. Um, and, and to get to there, and you talked about pre-marketing and then kind of the messaging that, that happens when people get to the event. I, I work really well with, with examples. Uh, do you have any examples of maybe a, a bad example of this, uh, both pre-marketing and messaging, and then, and then a really good example? Well, the, the bad example is the, the ones, the organizations that really put it out there. We're going to have a beautiful party. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have this great DJ. We're going to have this celebrity singer. Or, or all of these, you know, things that really don't ever talk about the mission. So, you know, for groups that aren't doing that, and then the guests get there, and they're kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, you're going to ask us for money? And that's, that's a, that, I mean, that sets up an organization for disaster when they don't tell people that this is a fundraiser. They're just like, oh, I'm going to come, and I'm going to have a good time, and I'm going to get wasted, I'm going to drink a lot, and, and I'm going to see, you know, some friends, and, and, and then, you know, that's it, that they don't know that that's a fundraiser. So I say that would be a perfect example of organizations that don't put their mission forward and they don't set the expectations up for their guests that there is going to be fundraising. When they do that, you're trying to, you're really attracting the wrong people. You really, really want to attract donors that want to give and that they want to make an impact. I love that. Yeah, as far as pre-marketing goes, putting the mission first, very, you know, very important. Uh, what about when they get to the event? What sort of things maybe are you seeing or um, signage is up and around that, that really puts that mission at the forefront and, and helps, you know, kind of build momentum towards that golden golden hour? You're talking about ad event? Correct. So, I, you know, getting there, like you said, all the signage, um, people at the front desk. You know, we recently did an event for – um, 
Boys and Girls Club, I think, and we had a bunch of kids lined up along the red carpet. So as they walked in the red carpet, people ended up running in, high-fiving a line of kids. I mean, what a way to remember why you were at the event. Um, Similar to that, you know, there's a school that that puts pictures of the kids around this all of the advertisement, not advertisement, all of the spaces where the decorations would be. You know, for a long time there was all this focus on the flowers and all of that. Now it's mission branding. And if you are working on your mission throughout that, your centerpiece can be part of it. We recently did an event where the centerpieces were um, – pieces that the the program was using towards their the families that they were with. Um, we've seen photos of the kids from the school. We've seen um, – I'm trying to think of some of the other great examples. Oh, just really putting words uh, on top of pictures that talk about uh, what the organizations are doing. I mean, that's really the key component is that, is that these are the people that we're helping or these are the animals that we're helping or, or whatnot. It's, it's really talking about that and showing, showcasing, and not putting a shadow of a doubt in the mind of any donor or guest that's there that this is what you're here to help. You know, I, I always tell my clients, you need to have a story. And you need to be able to tell that story with a lot of passion. And good stories trigger people emotionally. We know that when they're triggered emotionally, that's, you know, once their hearts start to open, then we as professionals can get in there and help open the wallets. That's absolutely right. And that, you know, people people love to connect with people and people love stories. And if we can tell them a beautiful, inspiring story, then you're right. They will. They'll open those, you know, they'll either open the wallets um, or they'll open their, their, their uh, you know, their connection book. They'll open their Rolodex and they'll invite other people that are within their network to this event. And then that's how an organization really continues to grow their fundraising is really by making new connections that are at the event. Yes, we want to raise as much money that's at the event, but then the event, if done strategically, can then turn in to a development of the donor database that's at the event. And that's why we love the paddle raise so much is because everybody can be involved. And once they raise their paddle, now they're in the donor database. All right. Well, let's talk about the paddle raise. And I'm just going to circle back uh, to earlier in the interview here. And I said we were going to talk about the evolution of auctions. Do you think fundraising auction events uh, or benefit auctions are dying off? No, I think they're growing so much that your uh, opportunities for gathering people, I mean, the, the, the way that the trend in the world is, it's all social. It's all you know, online, it's, you know, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's all of those things that give people an excuse to just stay home and make those those really easy, simple connections. But organizations that are doing these special events effectively, their fundraising and growing, their donor database is growing. And there's small organizations, small nonprofits that they need to reach people on a personal level. And a special event is a great way to do that. I just want to say in New York, we've seen a huge trend of events changing. Events have changed significantly for us over the past couple of years, and especially this past year for me. Um, I'm, we have almost no events on the weekend anymore. For New York, we don't do events on Saturday nights anymore. It's just completely changed. And what we're seeing a lot of is two-hour events midweek. And that is a huge change from what we've seen for our whole history. So it's not that, you know, there is a, a big fear. You go into all of the fundraising groups and they're always saying, oh, the, the big event is dying. What are we going to do? How are we going to change it? And there's not that it's 
going away is that we have to change it. People are very focused on short, you know, Instagram and Twitter. We're all short, quick, to the point, get it done. So groups are looking to, hey, come in, see who we need to see, donate, be part of the organization, support who we care about, and make an impact, and then leave. They have a lot to do. So we're seeing way less of our big, huge, long, epic events and a lot shorter, tighter, which means for the organization you really have to be focused on how to fundraise during that time. That's a huge shift that I'm finding with with, uh, the evolution around here. Wow, this is gold. I mean, this is uh, exciting for me to hear, you know, what's going on out in in your part of the country where you say they're getting away from weekend events, uh, starting to focus more on short weeknight events. What's happening in that two-hour window? You know, it's it's pretty awesome. It's, again, branding. So my favorite two-hour event that we've done was they walked in and it was an education group and they had some people, they actually had stilt walkers when you came in and they were in cap and gown to remind people of what it was like to graduate, elevating education. So there was, again, the moment you walked in, it was total mission branding. Yet inside, they had heavy cocktail hour. Now, this was a celebrity chef who was passing out heavy, heavy hors d'oeuvres. There's no sit-down dinner for this. There's none of the formality. They had a huge, um, I think believe they had a long silent auction area, so that was going on. But then they brought it in. We weren't going to do an auction, but we had the celebrity chef there who was a character, and he wanted to jump up on stage, and we had a great time with him. So we did have this one item. But then we really tied it in. We did it one honoree. The honoree spoke to one of the kids that he had personally represented. The kid got up. He told his story. We came in with our golden moment of ask. We did the paddle raise where we got everybody to be involved. After that, there was a couple thank yous, more almost like a Venetian hour at that point in time. It transitioned to a dessert cocktail hour, and right then that was the end of the event. So they got cocktail on both sides, you know, and by cocktail I'm saying the socializing or the connection hours on both sides, and the program probably uh, maybe was 25 minutes in the center of it. Wow, that's very, very interesting. Uh, so, uh, again, I just want to get back to definition here. People that maybe don't uh, know what a paddle raise is or fund a need or fund a need, this is where we're going to the audience and we're just asking for straight cash donations. And uh, very often they can get charitable tax receipts uh, for their donations. Uh, that's your experience as well, is it, folks? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what we're talking about with the paddle raise, the cash call, the special appeal, the fund the need, is we're creating pure philanthropic moments. Now, if you have your, you know, your silent auction, you have your live auction, and you have your raffles or your different games, that's a give-to-get situation. I'm going to give the organization money, but I'm going to get something in return. It's a give-to-get. But then the paddle raise, the, you know, whatever you would like to call it, is a pure philanthropic moment. That's just giving to give. That's giving a gift from the heart because you know because of effective marketing and messaging that happens beforehand that this is the mission. And when I make a gift, this is the impact that has happened. And if we can raise more money, we're going to have a deeper impact. And that's, that's really 
that's really the biggest piece of that. And the reason it's so effective is it's a maxima, we're maximizing the return on investment in so many different realms within the organizers that are the development directors or the event planners and those people. You know, we're maximizing their time. We're maximizing the time investment that the donors have at the event, just like Aaron had said in regards to the very short window of the special event. But then we're also maximizing the time of the volunteers that are going out and getting all these silent auction items or they're, you know, all of these different things. We want them going out and inviting their network of friends and telling them about the mission so that when they are prepared or when we, you know, we prepare them to come into the event and make that ask, we get to that golden moment, we say now's the time to act. And, and you, if you look at dollars that are raised per minute within a special event, your dollars that, that you're going to raise within the silent auction, maybe two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500 you know, per minute, whereas, Danny, I'm sure you're, you've seen this a lot. I mean, you could raise tens, twenty, you know, $50,000 a minute if the special appeal is done, and that's where we look at that ROI, the return on time investment, but then also dollar investment. I mean, you have to you have the caterer, you have the venue, you have the band, you have the sound system, you have the auctioneer, the fundraiser. You know, which of those components that is that you're going to see a big return on an investment, and and how can you raise as much money as possible in the shortest amount of time? Well, we've said it many times before that having any type of a fundraising event is like opening a storefront, going to be open for two hours, three hours, four hours, and you've got to be really micromanaging that event, looking at every aspect of it and examining the ROI or return on investment of every aspect uh, of that uh, of that event. What about the live auctions? Let's talk about that. Do you think there, we talked about live auction events? Are they dying off? Are you seeing fewer auction items at your events? It sounds... Sounds like maybe you are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you really want the honest answer on that. Coming from the auction world, I'm well, not sure I really mean, want to hear you guys it. are auctioneers. <laughs> I'm an auctioneer. We've got we've got Ian Loth here from Winspire. They provide you know these unbelievable uh, travel experiences as very often live auction items. So nobody wants to hear that live auctions are dying off. But let's talk the truth. What's what's going on? Well, you know. I am seeing just huge changes. Time is money. You know, these events are shorter, and like I said, time is money. I've had a lot of clients come in and say, hey, we really just, we don't even know what we're doing here. We just think we want to have an auction and get some items here. And, um, you know, and at the end of the day, we have to look at how much time their guests can handle and where that all can be. Um, you know, <laughs> Bobby's reminding me of, of one of the events we had this past year where um, it was a brand new client coming to us and they said they called me up and they said, all right, we want to have a silent auction. I said, well, I'm sorry, that's not anything that I do. So I can direct you to somebody. So said, well, we don't know what you do. We just heard we have to hire you. So whatever it is, we want it. And I was like, okay. And they said, well, how about a live auction? And I was like, well, let's talk about what your guests are doing and what's going to make sense for your guests. And we talked about the event flow and they had dancers, they had it, it was um, a group for India, and it was a really over-the-top event. And we realized within them that, that any item selling was not going to work for their market. Um, again, we also have to look at cultures, and you have to look at what it means to buy an item in a different culture and what that process is like. Not everybody just goes and buys something. There's a lot of negotiation in a lot of cultures. There's a lot of things to bring up. Um, so we decided um, – I pushed them pretty strong into just doing an appeal. Again, first year event, first time doing it, and their appeal brought in $2 million. Wow. It was – yeah, they couldn't believe it. And I can tell you no matter what item I had brought into that event, 
there's no way we would have gotten that kind of capacity with with an item. You know, that just it wasn't possible for them. You know, nothing I could have sold could have brought in enough money that it would have made sense for that group. Now, that doesn't mean all groups are like that. There are some groups that like we said, we are all about this connection and your mission branding and your event space. So so there's really fun games you can play. There's really fun silent auction movements that can happen. And, you know, we do love live auctions. Again, third generation. My mom is an international champion auctioneer. Bobby's a world champion auctioneer. We love auctions, but we have to be super conscious to what the client is and what the event is. And that's where the specialist comes in. All right, uh, Ian is getting a little twitchy here. Is there is there still room at these events for Winspire packages and, and consignment packages? Absolutely. There's there, there's some opportunities that that we're you know able to partner with with so many of our consignment specialists, just like Ian and Winspire. Love working with them because you know there are events that they want to bring in that auction incitement, and then we're able to help select which of the packages you know are could help us set up this paddle raise and if it's one or two items and what's great about the consignment packages is that you know we can sell those multiple times so maybe we just have one fantastic package to bali or monaco or south of france or something like that that everybody would love to have and we have that great auction and then all of a sudden you know what guess what we have an oprah moment you get one you get one you get one you get one (laughs) and we really build a huge amount of energy in that room and then like you said we pull that emotional trigger we tell that beautiful story and then we roll into the paddle raise that's where you know those you know those live auctions are most effective but then on the other side you know i want to give your listeners a, a fantastic fundraising nugget here is is those consignment packages those set up great for you know whether we do the golden ticket or we do the golden key or we do the hundred dollar raffle where people are buying hundred dollar raffle tickets and if you had a hundred people buy a hundred dollar raffle ticket now you've raised ten thousand dollars. What happens if you had five hundred people raise, you know, give you, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, for that for that many raffle tickets, and then you would work with your benefit auction specialist to help select which of those consignment items would match that audience or do a choose your own adventure. If you're the winner, you get to pick of any one of these packages. And that's what's great about Winspire is they provide this this really low stress, you know, they have that concierge service that they provide these fantastic travel packages and that's a way that you didn't need to have a live auction, but you still could raise ten to fifty thousand dollars if done effectively within that cocktail connection hour without having a silent auction and without having a live auction. And that's that's what you want to do. You want to uh, give your donors the best fundraising experience as possible, and that's a way that we can do that together. Yeah, that's great, Bobby. And 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 I uh, look at I don't think it's bad this this movement that you guys are talking about I think it's great what what you guys are really talking about is you know really looking at the return on investment and the investment of time right so much time and energy is spent into you know hours upon hours uh, of committee time is spent going out and trying to procure these items and put it into you know a, a huge silent auction or trying to come up with these these live auction items and it's more about being strategic with your time right what if all that time was spent you know focused on the event how can we communicate the mission how can we get people uh, once they walk through the door uh, or 
before they walk through the door, excited about the mission, excited and ready to come, you know, support the cause. And then once they're in the door, uh, you know, focused on that singular cause. So, you know, what we preach a lot, you know, on our blog, Winspire News and, you know, in our webinars and stuff, it's about being strategic with your time. Instead of just hitting the pavement and seeing what you can go donate, it's about finding out what your audience interests are, what their buying interests are, where do they want to go, what do they want to do, then procuring to those interests. Because if you let procurement dictate what what's going to be in the auction is going to have nearly the impact versus if you procure to the interest of your audience. And so, you know, that's where consignment comes in to help, you know, get some of those items that you couldn't otherwise procure, but it's, it's all about being strategic with your time. We, we think that, you know, wasting, it can be a waste of time. If you, if you just hitting the pavement, knocking on every single door, seeing what you can get versus, you know, developing a strategy, going out and executing that strategy and, and, and seeing the results of the event. Ian, if I could fly through the airwaves right now, I would give you the biggest high five ever. That's the conversation. Well, we I'm have. sitting right here, and I'm, my, I'm just jo- my jaws wide open here. Renee's here, and we're just looking. We've never seen him orate like that, huh? Well, yeah, I say Ian Loth for president is what I say. Huh? <laughs> I think very, that was no, very, very, well, very well said, Ian. That is that is incredible, Ian. And also, you know, that's what we're talking about too. Is about if you can pay attention to what the item that you're bringing in, you can continue to stay on mission. Maybe you can get a trip to the country that you're selling a, you know, that you're trying to raise money for, or maybe, you know, these opportunities that really can stay on point and continue your mission through it instead of Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. You know, it's just some random package, and you're like, why, why would me buying a Chuck E. Cheese make any sense? You know, where if you can actually pick the item that makes sense for your donors and your client and your mission you are a million steps ahead of the game so nice job Ian because I totally agree on that yeah I just had a good idea I just did an auction on Saturday night for a big hospital foundation they were raising money for a new endoscope or colonoscopy machine and they should have just offered free colonoscopies to everybody that put their paddle up huh would that work right is that a good idea maybe not So, so then I, I want to circle back now and talk about, it, it sounds to me, listening to you, Bobby and Aaron, that the role of the benefit auctioneer specialist is shifting a little bit where we're not so focused exclusively on the auction component, on the live auction component, but we as, well, I know this already, so, but we're, we're playing more a role of a consultant and also bringing our expertise uh, to the event when it comes time to uh, address that golden moment and do the paddle race because you know and I know it's not easy to ask people for money and it, it's, it takes a, a lot of finesse. It's, there's a little bit of art, a little bit of science, a lot of psychology to it and uh, this is something that we spend a lot of time honing our skills at becoming good askers. And, and Danny, you're absolutely right. So what is fantastic for organizations to partner with a benefit auction specialist is, is, you know, we know when to say when, we know what to say at the right time to the right people. I like to give the example is we could go to a symphony and, and, and you know, there's all these beautiful musicians that are there with hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice to make this beautiful music happens. But if the cymbal player hits his cymbal Two beats too early, it ruins everything, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where us as artists, but also us as technicians and strategists, we're able to optimize and create that golden moment 
to let these organizations truly shine within their mission and then allow their donors to be the heroes. All right, take us into one of your events right now. You're on stage. You've hit that golden moment. You're about to do an ask. Walk us through it. What what are you saying to the audience, and how are you asking for the money? Are you starting with large increments and working your way down? Are you starting at the bottom going up? Uh, Just walk us through an actual event if you can. I just want to really quick touch on something you just asked about, you know, who's doing the ask and and the transition. Um, Something just really quickly is that coming from an auction background, if you've conducted any kind of live auction, you have learned something about reading your audience. We all talk about the fast numbers and the fast talk and the entertainment, but that's not actually what auctioneers are doing. We're actually reading the psychology of the bidder. So we know when they're going to give again, when they're ready, when they need to be pushed harder, when they need to be backed off of, and when she's about to beat him over the head if he picks up his paddle again. So that is something that Bobby always calls it my spidey sense. You know, but when we're on stage, we're reading your audience at a very different level that you can't teach. It comes from a very big experience. Most auctioneers, because we've come from different backgrounds, have learned it selling box slots or doing something, uh, selling a something in a retail way that we've learned how to work with buyers. So when you push that into a donor world, we can ask for money in a more comfortable manner that makes everybody feel good. They're always afraid of that icky moment. Using a real auctioneer gets rid of that icky moment because they're ready. They know how to move through it. They know how to use, you know, that there's no dead air space. Okay. So so walk walk us through it. so let's walk. So, like you had said, I love the you know the term the emotional trigger. We call it the inspirational transition. So whether you've done the live auction, you know, or you've had you know your your speaker up there, you've shown the video, that becomes your inspirational transition. That this is what we're here. This is our mission. This is our mission moment. And then your professional fundraiser, auctioneer, ambassador, asker hops up there and says, "Now is the time that you are all able to help us." fund this mission and give at a level that's inspirational to you because within donor-centric events, it's all about the donors. And we want to put it, the power within their hands and the power that they have in their hands is that paddle that they have. And friends, when you raise that paddle, you make that gift from the heart, you're making true impact tonight. So to answer your question, I love starting high. We've never seen an appeal where you start low and go up, but we start high. And we love to have what we call the, the igniter gift, which is that first gift that you know we know that someone's going to raise their paddle at. It might be 5000 it might be 10000 it might be 100000 but we know that someone is, is able and ready to, to give at that level, and then they're going to ignite the bonfire of giving. So then we say everyone's going to have a chance to give it tonight at different levels. We'll start at the $100,000 level, we'll go to 50, we'll go to 25, we'll go to 10, 5, 2,500, 1,500, 250, and then maybe down to 100. Some small school or small organization events will even go down to 50 or $25, but we want everybody to participate. The, the, the real goal within this is 100% participation because then that brings us back to our conversation that we had before is filling that donor database. Everyone at your event is a donor, and we want to give everyone at that event the chance to make a donation, and that's the best way to do it. Everybody raises a paddle, and everybody's a part of it. Now, should the organization let their uh, attendees know in advance that there is going to be an ask so nobody feels like they're shanghaied or ambushed once they get uh, into the room? Isn't that a good question? I, I, I don't think it's a great question. Uh, the word shanghaied on our <laughs> podcast yet. Every, there's something new in every episode. 
Well, yes, we'd never want to Shanghai, and that's where we come back to that setting the expectations of what this event is. If you, you know, we always like to, to say put the fab in your fund in your marketing fab fundraising this is a fundraiser activities what are our fundraising activities that we're going to have are they going to be auctions are they going to be paddle races what are there and and letting you especially your board and your committee the people that are truly inviting those that have the capacity to give tell them to tell their network that we're going to be asking for money we're going to be doing this great thing that's called a cash call or it's called a paddles up or whatever that is that this opportunity is going to happen and a lot of the you know our most successful partners within within the organizations we're working with they're actually doing a paddle raise station or they're talking about the special appeal like you said Danny on Saturday night you helped with a hospital organization and what might have helped is if they did have a display that maybe had one of the machines there now we don't want any live demonstrations but you you do want to talk about what is the funding going towards and if you can prepare them and have that in that connection and in that cocktail hour then when we get to that golden moment everyone's going to understand oh this is what they were talking about this is the special giving opportunity for everyone to make a contribution so yes let people know that this is going to happen all right now you use the word fab is that an acronym or fab yes fab so what was the B? i think i missed the b oh b benefit who is this benefiting so fundraising at your event activities auctions paddle raises and then benefit who is this benefiting and 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 who is the uh, who is the ones that are really going to uh, see the biggest impact from the donations that arise so yes fab fundraising activities and benefit very good uh, i wanted to uh, uh, get back as well to talking about these weeknight events i am really intrigued at the idea at the concept of uh, moving away from the weekends uh, shortening up these these events and what would the actual timelines look like on a weeknight what time would doors open uh what time does the actual uh, cash appeal or paddle raise happen at what time are we getting people out the door well probably seven to nine is about my guess um six to eight sometimes it really depends on what the event is where they're coming from so if you're in new york city they're probably going to be about six to eight because people have to get out of the city because you're looking at a commuter basis most people are commuting in and out this isn't their local community it's not a five-minute drive home they don't want to stay late so they get out of work they go have a you know happy hour but instead of happy hour they go to an event so that you're looking at like a six to eight event if you're doing it on the boroughs, you might have people that are commuting from the city, so you're looking at a seven to nine event. So, you know, again, keeping your donor in mind for that. Same thing, coming in, you've got heavy cocktail hour, and about an hour into the event is where we start off any kind of programming. And, and programming, really, shorter the better. I would say probably about a half hour. After that, we've got about a half hour of, you know, wrap up and finishing up, and then that's your Venetian cocktail hour. So by 8 o'clock, they're able to leave the event. So again, this is, we're talking one honoree. We're talking a very short program. We're talking everybody who has a mission to be there for a reason. And we, we really make it clear this is a fundraiser. You are coming for a you know, two-hour fundraiser. Does that okay. answer some questions? Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, let's talk about some of the magnets uh, that can help attract uh, people to commit two hours of uh, weeknight to come to the event. How, uh, uh, what kinds of entertainment might you want to offer? Um, I guess, 
you know, featuring uh, maybe a, an exciting, uh, if you're a Windspire package that maybe ties into your theme. I know uh, we worked with Windspire here recently doing an organization for the Catholic Church, and they wanted an outstanding auction item, and Windspire were able to put together a really unique tour of the Vatican and a trip to, to Rome. That sold for $17,000, and there was just a few items in the uh, auction that night, but that that was just a real highlight of the event. So let's talk about some magnets. We can we can look at entertainment. Do you folks recommend entertainment? And if so, what types of entertainment in a, in a short two-hour? In a two-hour, you're not. You're looking at really a social event. You're looking at a connection hour. These are networking events. These are, you know, a lot of the time, a lot of our events happen around political season. You know, you've got all of your election season happening. So you've got in and out people. There's other events going on in, in the community. So you've got really a lot of movement going on. So when we have a cool package, like a Windspire package, or um, perhaps a, a really cool chef that's going to be hosting the event, that's going to be a big part of our drawer that we're going to mark it in advance. And, and again, if we did have a really awesome package like the Windspire style, I love that, by the way, the Vatican at a, at a Catholic school. Um, if we have a package like that, that's going to be advertised before the event so that people know that that's, that's part of it. So they're headed to this event. There's going to be this cool opportunity. Uh, there's also you know, going to be a paddle raise. It is a fundraiser, this cool chef, and those are big draws. Now, um, that one that I was telling you about is one of my favorite. They had stilt walkers, so people were taking pictures of stilt walkers. They also had a roaming violinist. Everybody was in cap and gown that was part of the um, organization because it was a reminder of higher education. That was what they were doing, elevate education. So it was really cool to stay on theme, and they had some entertainment, but it's really not about that. It's really about a short networking because you think about why do people go to events? They want to be seen by their friends, colleagues, people that they want to impress. They want to support the organization, and they want to go home. So, you know, you really got to keep it geared toward them. And you get, we had a huge, we were sold out for that event. That is excellent, Aaron. You've just, you you folks have so many nuggets here. Uh, so obviously you alluded to the f- uh, point that uh, food can certainly be a magnet, you know, having a, a good chef there. You talked about something else that just uh, piqued my interest, and that is people like to network, they like to be seen, and that's why the paddle raise is so effective. It's important for everybody to have a bid card number in their hand, be it on a paddle or, or uh, just a regular bid card. And so when we get to that golden moment and we ask people to start raising those paddles in the air that puts a little bit of soft pressure a little bit of peer pressure on the rest of that group and uh, it can be very powerful oh danny you you couldn't have said that better what we're trying to create is a contagious and collective giving environment and when we create that by those paddles going up it does it it spreads like a virus throughout the crowd and you said you put that soft gentle pressure on but what's most important is that is when somebody raises their paddle and they do a giving action like that they smile big there's a there's a there's a look of pride that comes over them and everybody else in that room they see that they're like i want that feeling too and it, it also becomes it comes an addictive um, mentality and we want to help create that so that that contagious environment happens but then collective giving really is is a big piece where you know this is the true form of 
of, of crowd fundraising and person. And then what is so great about that is, is, is people like to now, especially with the social media that's out there, Instagram, Facebook, you know, they're able to take a selfie of themselves, be like, look, I gave, or maybe you have an event photographer that's there that's taking pictures during this, which they should be, and then posting that out on social media to be like, look, these people gave, and they were a part of this collective and contagious giving environment. Very good. I mean, we are that selfish generation, right? And everybody wants to be seen. That's why everything is so awesome with social media and so popular. Everybody wants to be seen. So let them be seen. Hold their hands up. Be, applaud them. Let them have their five minutes of fame. Yeah. It's just, you know, the culture is changing so quickly out there, so rapidly, be- largely due to social media. We've become a, a culture with uh, of, of people with very, very short attention spans. Uh, we don't want to repeat the same old experience over and over again, and that's where I think we're seeing, I know up in my marketplace, a lot of these events have done the same old thing year after year after year, and you show up at the event and they have the same eight or ten live auction items, they're trying to sell their tickets to the same crowd, and they're just repeating the same experience over and over, and we are no longer a culture that wants that. We want fresh new experiences. Like I say, we have short mm-hmm. attention spans, so, you know, and that that cultural shift is a real threat um, to the sustainability of many uh, events that are going on out there right now. So I think people really got to be doing some navel-gazing and asking themselves, how, what, what can we do this year that's completely fresh and new? Ian? Uh, what's what's navel-gazing? Uh, that's a Canadian thing. It's <laughs> yeah. Canadian. When in wintertime we sit around, when it's cold, we sit around and just look at our navels. <laughs> Um, let me just say real quick, as Aaron, Aaron mentioned, the, uh, the importance of photographs. Uh, it's something that I don't want to gloss over, especially these days. Uh, you know, getting a, a professional photographer or a photo booth um, is something that's really important to spreading the word after an event is over, right? If you have a photographer, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe get them there early and if have a little, you know, half an hour with the VIPs that show up uh, so that the VIPs can all get pictures together. Um, and, then, uh, and then the VIPs can also take part in, in greeting and welcoming everybody else because you as the development director or the executive director, you, you know, you are only so busy and you're going to get wrapped up in certain things uh, with the event. So enlisting your VIPs to kind of be the welcoming party, taking photographs of them, and then taking photographs throughout the event, and then posting those afterwards in a Facebook album, uh, you know, on Instagram. Make it super, super easy for people to share and, you know, share in the joy of, of them being there, because that's really going to help spread the word for, for future events. I think something that you also talked about briefly before, um, I totally agree with that, by the way. Photos are awesome, and I agree with sharing that because we're going back to the social media. You talked about how events need to change, that there's this stagnant feeling, and I think that that's really important because you also have to look that you have a new donor base that's about to hit the market. You have you know, a millennial donor, which is changing the style of events and personality at an event. You no longer have the baby boomers who have the time to hang out, and that's their thing. You now have... Um, new money coming into the market. And so how are you going to collect that and engage those those millennials? And that's where time is money and social giving is everything. Very good. Well, I'll tell you, Aaron Ward and uh, Bobby D, we could talk to you uh, for hours and hours. You folks have such a, a, a wealth of uh, knowledge and a depth of experience, and uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us here on events uh, with benefits. Um, I know you've probably piqued the interest of a lot of our listeners, and uh, do you have any takeaways or any special offers maybe that we could pass along uh, to our listeners? 
Absolutely. It's it's such an honor for us to be on this and to share, you know, our thoughts and our ideas. Um, it's our goal as, you know, as, as fundraising strategists, auctioneers, askers, ambassadors to help to innovate and evolve fundraising events. And, and, and we love to help organizations, whether it's within a podcast like this or on our blog at inspireheartsfundraising.com. And, and actually, Danny, I have a, such a special announcement to make. We've just come out with a brand new book, and you can find it on Amazon. It's How to Do a Paddle Race. And we've wrote, we literally have written the book on how to do a paddle raise. And then if friends want to find it, they can go to howtodoapaddleraise.com. We have a full video series there with checklists and examples and, and, and true scripts of how to do all of this. And, and, again, we want to help innovate and evolve fundraising events, and we want to give back to the nonprofits that are truly going out and changing the world. And, and this is how we're able to do it. Fantastic. Well, it's just been such a delight talking to you, Bobby D. and Aaron Ward. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us here on Events with Benefits. Thank you for having us. It's been really awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time.